When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot bite with Huddy Withrow underway on this Wednesday edition. We're glad you're with us. Plenty to get to, Chad. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Well, let's say this. Coming up in an hour, the Attorney General for the State of Tennessee will be on this program. Uh, Jonathan Scrimetti. And uh, on behalf of the State of Tennessee and also the Commonwealth of Virginia, they have placed the NCAA in their crosshairs uh, after the NCAA has attempted to begin an investigation into the Tennessee football program for improper uh, benefits involving name, image, likeness, and more. Uh, This is uh, the response to what is a lawsuit, a antitrust lawsuit claiming that the NCAA is, well, they're prohibiting or trying to prohibit athletes from profiting through name, image, likeness based on the collective. In this case, it's Spire Sports that, um, is listed in the lawsuit uh, from the state of Tennessee. The attorney general joins us coming up uh, an hour from right now. Chad, this is is this is going to be viewed by some. Maybe it turns into many. Is this the NCAA's last stand? Because they are going after a program that, well, they complied and they assisted in a previous investigation, literally. Uh, months and now years ago that led to a hefty fine, penalties, and more. And they were complicit in helping. And and by the way, this is the NCAA admitting that Tennessee did everything to assist in the investigation. Not Tennessee saying this. Meanwhile, the face of college football right now are the Michigan Wolverines who, well, they're the national champions. And they sat back and more or less laughed at what was going on behind the scenes with the sign-stealing investigation, which is still ongoing, and everything previous to that, which was the recruiting or improper recruiting, uh, uh, violating guidelines and uh, certain rules through the COVID year for recruiting. And we're still waiting on the... Well, the response from the NCAA and then Michigan again when it comes to whatever happened with Connor Stallions and the sign stealing. And meanwhile, they're going after a program that was actually trying to assist them in an investigation that led to a hefty penalty that Tennessee ended up uh, not only paying, but continue to be the, the, the program biggest, that biggest fine complied. in NCAA history. Yeah. They What's, is this the last stand by the NCAA, given the fact that we now have the states involved with the antitrust lawsuits, which we know is the reason why they took a step back in July of 2021, because they don't, they can't stand up in court. The Supreme Court mentions this as to why we are where we are with name, image, likeness, why we are with the portal, and where we are with collectives across the board. I think one of the biggest lessons everyone's going to learn in life, and some learn it early in life, some learn it later, 
Some learn it in middle age. Some never learn it at all. One of those big things you got to learn is you got to know what battles to fight. Whether it's an individual, whether it's a group like the NCAA or anyone else, this is the wrong battle to fight for the NCAA. And they will be destroyed fighting this battle if they continue. And here's why. Here's what I believe is going on right now. I don't think the NCAA has a thing on Tennessee. Not a thing. You know how I know that? In Donde Plowman's four-page letter to the NCAA, she states in bold print, when you met with us, you didn't mention a single word about a single university employee having any knowledge or doing anything wrong. Essentially, what are we talking about here? We had a group Inspire Sports and that collective that followed your guidelines that you laid out with no hard rules. Now you're trying to adjudicate a law that didn't exist from two years ago and come after us and our student-athletes and our program. The NCAA played this extremely poorly. They played it poorly by not meeting with Danny White when he requested to meet. That's Tennessee's athletic director. Wouldn't even get back with him and meet. Played it poorly expecting Tennessee to roll over and be a good little boy while the NCAA pats their belly the way they did with Jeremy Pruitt. News alert, Tennessee cooperated with the NCAA last time in part because they wanted to fire Jeremy Pruitt with cause. So they actually made a lot of money in that exchange. That Over $1 million they spent in legal fees to help you out to be the gold standard of cooperation that you, NCAA, called them, that was money well spent because that was a lot less money than they had to pay Jeremy Pruitt for a buyout when they found all the dirt on him and turned it right over to you. And you said they cooperated like no other. Now you're going to come back months later and try to say, Tennessee has committed major infractions for doing what exactly? Exactly what every major program has done. Worked the NIL system to their advantage. There is nothing else out there. New York Times is reporting this is focused on a private jet flight provided to Nico Iamaleava from Spire Sports. Are you kidding me? This is it? This is the smoking gun? This is what you want to make national headlines over? This is what you want to get Pat Forty, who's in your pocket, writing things about major infractions with Tennessee? This is the hill you're going to die on? This is not going to end well for the NCAA. Short of writing an apology to Tennessee and every NIL collective in the states of Virginia and Tennessee, this isn't going to end well for them. It's going to be a long, lengthy court battle. It's going to make a lot of lawyers a lot of money. And in the end, there's the Supreme Court is not going to side with the NCAA no. on trying to restrict NIL opportunities for student-athletes, especially if what Tom Mars put in that report is true about the relationship between Spire and Nico Iamleava. And I have no reason to believe that it's not true. This is a terrible battle being waged by the NCAA, and it's going to destroy them unless they back down. I don't know that they're going to, but they should. Well, and uh, that, uh, two things that come to mind. Uh, we'll, we'll get to what Tom Mars had to say, the attorney for Spire Sports Group. Chad, uh, I mentioned yesterday, number one, the fact that Tennessee and the athletic department the university cooperated. Uh, it, it, I don't know what power the NCAA currently holds. I really don't. When it comes to this, because they, they admitted they had none, they wanted the individual u- universities, programs, and then the specific conferences and guidelines that were o- overseeing said programs to police themselves, so to speak, in July of 21, whenever we had the Supreme Court ruling. 
Well, now all of a sudden, they're trying to flex again. And it's over the almighty dollar, as everything is. Because, number two, Spire Sports Group, uh, this was July of last year, uh, is attempting to put together the Collective Trade Association, which we just heard from on behalf of the Grove Collective at Ole Miss, go and for the hearing and testify in front of uh, Capitol Hill, in front of, uh, in front of Congress, about federal legislation and what could happen in this whole entire process. The NCAA was also there. Charlie Baker was there for the first time in person on that same day. And I can't help but think the NCAA is trying to keep the control of the money instead of the collectives forming their own partnership, their trade association, which they've done, and how it balloons to something bigger. What is created through that? Well, if it's not connected to the universities, it's going to end up being the player association. And the NCAA does not want to do that. They don't want to get into a, a, a situation where we're looking at an NFL, an NFL PA where 49.5% of the revenue and a revenue share goes towards the players instead of the individual universities, conferences, and ultimately the governing body, quote-unquote. I say that like tongue-in-cheek. Governing body, the NCAA. Tom Mars represents Spire Sports and, and had this to say in a statement uh, and, and said that they were consistent with existing guidelines, Spire Sports, in the recruitment of Tennessee's quarterback. And this was back in early of 2022. And Chad, the guidelines were clear because the NCAA took a step back. Instead of enforcing them, they didn't want to end up in a lawsuit like this. Specifically for that reason, they took a step back and we are where we are because of them, not because of Spire or any collective. Yeah, there's a bit of union busting going up here from uh, the, the, um, the NCAA trying to get rid of what is forming with those collectives. I, I agree with you on that. I'll also say this. This is not the right collective to go after. Right. In my experience, Spire Sports is way more buttoned up than some other outfits that are out there. There's some other schools you could go to. Florida is a good example, but John Ruiz no longer exists as a collective because he was so sloppy in his handling of Jaden Rashada. And when that story broke, we sat here on this show hunting and discussed it. We knew how it was going to end. There was going to be an investigation. They were going to have to disassociate from Ruiz and his collective. And they were going to go away. And ultimately, Ruiz sort of turned state's witness against Florida. And they did what they did. And so what? But right. th that's, not, that's one that doesn't exist. What the NCAA expected, and this is, I think, the big miscalculation in this battle they're trying to fight. They decided, hey, Tennessee is someone who we can play ball with. Donde Plowman seems reasonable. They seem legitimately outraged about what they found out that we discovered inside of Jeremy Pruitt's program. They turned over evidence. They helped us out. If we're going to break up this trust and we're going to break up whatever the collectives are up to, we need to go get one of the more high-profile collectives, that being Spire Sports. And we think maybe Tennessee is going to help us do that. And by helping us, what we want them to do is to just go in, make threats about what we're going to do to their program or make guys ineligible, and then say, hey, but if you disassociate from Spire, all of this goes away. That's all we want you to do is to, to disassociate. And that would effectively ruin Spire Sports business if they did that. And instead, what they got from Donde Plowman 
was a big middle finger. And she said, no, we're not going to do that. They're running a business. They're helping our student athletes. The experience of Tennessee athletes is far better now because of Spire Sports. We're not going to do it. And we don't think they've broken any rules. And even if they had, rules aren't clearly defined. So you can go right down the road to Clemson or Florida State, where they've already been, or Georgia or Alabama or Kentucky, and go interview everyone because we're all doing it because you are spineless and haven't set out any parameters for anything. Instead, they issued guidelines and said, now go to work. But we may come back later and try to haunt you with something and try to nail you for something. It's just not going to work. I just don't see any planet where any of this from the NCAA works. And if they try to go too hard with this, Hutton, it's going to speed up the process of football breaking away. Well, no doubt. And it also destroys their uh, proposals that they put forward earlier this month. The NCAA, the Division I Council, introduced uh, a proposal that would allow schools to connect, would allow schools to connect with signed or enrolled athletes with boosters while expressly prohibiting contact between NIL entities and prospects. So again, it goes back to the money funnels through the university, not the collective. And the collective, well, they're banding together. They're coming together. And they're, uh, they're a strong force, as are these lawsuits. And I, I mean, I can't help but think, as I sit back and look at the news from the last three or four weeks, Chad, Ohio State's dropping millions. Openly saying, hey, if we want to keep the, the players that we have here now, we need $13 million. Yeah. Ole Miss dropping millions. Georgia's paying $4 million for the quarterback. The NCAA didn't have their act together. And now they're trying to retroactively act like they did through a new president. And this is the fight. You have your own programs and universities fighting against it based on the way things are set up. And the attorney general for, for Tennessee will be on uh, to discuss said lawsuit uh, a bit later in the show. I'm not so certain that a school in Virginia is not also involved in something with the NCAA based on their state attorney involvement. general's involvement in this. That's the first thing I thought was, is Virginia or Virginia Tech being investigated also, and we just don't know about it yet. I do know there are three or four others that are being investigated that no one's reported. Um, that's gonna, it's going to come out. And they could go to every single school. They could go to Ohio State right now so, and launch an investigation and do the same thing. They can go to Michigan. They can go to anywhere, Nebraska. Go anywhere that's playing ball with big-time prospects and trying to get them on campus and trying to get them signed, enrolled, playing for that school. They're all doing the same thing. It's just, I think in this instance, I don't think there is a right fight to, to make here for the NCAA. I'm not saying there's one collective that they could definitely win against. I'm just saying they definitely picked the wrong school in this one with Tennessee. Well, let's, let's also consider and just go back to the, 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 just the, the question of if, they, if they're behind, if, if they're back-channeling different investigations – Chad, you reference at least three or four, right? Yeah, there's going to be others. If this is going to be the result and they don't have anything to stand on, then what is left of the NCAA after this saga? And a saga meaning like after this, this fight, this bout, Here's, if you're going to have the attorney generals of, of the states stand up and file lawsuits of uh, antitrust suits against the NCAA, which is what led to all of this to begin with in 21, where they 
they, they wipe their hands clean of it. So we, we don't have anything to do with the enforcement right now. Look, they, they could cost, you know, Spire Sports a lot of money and legal fees. They could cost Tennessee a lot of money. They could cost this collective association that's probably also pitching in, and they're ready to fight for each other if they go after the Grove Collective or they go after sure. what's going on at Georgia or wherever else. They could all band together and fight it together, and I think that will eventually happen if this goes much further. It's also going to cost the NCAA a ton of money uh, with their lawyers, with everything they're going to have to do with this. At what point does the leadership of the NCAA, and I'm, I'm talking about Charlie Baker, but I'm also talking about the, the chancellors, the chairman of and chairmen and chairwomen of the boards of these schools that comprise the NCAA that's on the leadership council, when did they step in and say, guys, let's let's save ourselves this. Let's back away a little bit. We don't want to spend all this money. This thing is going to eventually go back to the Supreme Court. You had the Supreme Court last time after Austin saying, hey, you got any other legislation you want to bring our way? Come on. Right now, something you want to talk about pay for play? That's legal too. We can discuss that at some point, not just NIL. If you want to bring anything else to us, now's the time. They're triggering that with this move. They're speeding that process up. They think they're trying to save themselves. And what they're doing is they're hurrying their own demise. It's it's not smart. This is not well played at all by the NCAA. Well, and they're they're what they're doing is they're they're accusing someone affiliated with Tennessee but not paid by Tennessee. No. Of violating rules that are set forth that Tennessee must follow. The program. And I think one of the key, and, there's a lot of good points in that Donde Plowman letter, but one of the key points she makes is, we sat here when you came to campus and met with you. You did not indicate that one university employee was involved in anything that went down. So what are we doing? It's a multi-billion dollar business, and here's why it's, it, it, it is absolutely a massive story. Because you have individual states now coming together, filing antitrust lawsuits on behalf of programs that are being investigated and potentially facing punishment by the NCAA. Lack of institutional control is mentioned, for instance. And you'll have the legal authorities step in, judges step in, and likely side with the, the likely side with the collectives yet again, likely side with the athlete yet again. And as they continue to take these L's, what is left of the NCAA? And you, they're, they're trying to come up with new guidelines. The coaches were begging for guidelines. They were begging for some guardrails. And then it was just wide open, wild, wild west. Well, and, and, and you, you don't... can't go back now and look back in the past based on guidelines and in certain uh, rules that you're now trying to come up with as proposals for everyone to follow. It just doesn't work well, this that is, way. Look, this is the, not only the biggest story in sports, it, it's a, a story that crosses over. It, it's got um, legal ramifications. It, it's got uh, workplace ramifications. It's culturally significant. Power conference ramifications. This is, this is big time. And this, this could spark the revolution that we all knew was coming. It's been on its way. It's been rolling downhill for a while now. This could completely end it. And, and I'm telling you, this has started a domino effect of not just Tennessee getting pissed off. The collective association is ready to go to war. Tom Mars has been hired by Spire Sports. Tennessee and Virginia, two states, have filed lawsuit 
against the NCAA. It's not going to end there. It's going to keep going unless the NCAA decides we're not going to investigate this. We need to reset and figure out some actual rules. That is how they save themselves right now. If they continue to go down this path and get into this legal battle, they're not going to win, ultimately. Could they cost Spire Sports or other collectives or people a lot of money, and will lawyers get rich off of it? Sure. But in the end, it's going to go back to the Supreme Court, and you're going to lose. And then you're going to be no more. And then we're going to be clamoring for Nick Saban, head of college football, to come in and figure it out. We're going to have Senator Tommy Tuberville on here again because they're going to try to get Congress to bail them out. It's the same cycle over and over, and they just triggered that vicious cycle by investigating Tennessee for something that seems completely legal right now within how is. NIL is, is working on college campuses. Well, and Chad, the other thing, too, they, they want to come up with guidelines and, and rules and to be able to enforce them. What they want within that is a structure and a chain of command that does not include collectives. And you mentioned Tom Mars, big-time attorney who's uh, been and has, is working now with Spire Sports. Um, this is from June of last year. To me, who knows where, we, where this ends? It could end with the NCAA not having the power, and that right now I don't think they do anyway. Uh, it starts well before this, and it starts with something like this. Tom Mars tweeting out, Proud to be working with Spire Sports. This is June of 2023. Proud to be working with Spire Sports as it sets the stage to establish a trade association of collectives to collaborate, share best practices, and provide a unified voice to oppose the NCAA's efforts to restrain the rights of college athletes. This is what all of today's news and lawsuits and antitrust suits go back to. This is what they're targeting, the NCAA. Specifically, they're investigating and they're looking to punish the University of Tennessee. And in the same breath, they are listening and knowing that Ohio State's asking for $13 million in order to keep the players on their current roster from last season and hold them over to this season before they even hit the portal and, and start recruiting their own new players to replace guys that are headed pro. Um, it's ridiculous. And it's, I mean, it's flat. It's hollow. Because at the end of all of this, we can see where we're headed. And the NCAA knows that. And they're trying to save this multi-billion dollar business to keep the pockets heavy on one side instead of the other. That's what all of this comes back to. And they want the money through the boosters funneled through the university, not through the collective. That's what they're trying to ban. High-profile attorney Tom Mars was set to join us this afternoon. At 6.18 this morning, I got the following text from him. I'll have to put off joining you this afternoon until Friday of next week. I have something that came up with another client that's going to require a lot of my attention today and tomorrow. I'll let you read into that however you want about who else could be contacting Tom Mars in regards to stuff going on with the NCAA. Um, read into it as you will, but Tom Mars will be on with now, us next week. We'll ask all about this, but we got a great fill-in for him with the Attorney General of the State of Tennessee yes. who's filing suit against the NCAA. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom Mars also either represented Harbaugh or Michigan. Harbaugh. Harbaugh. He directly represented Harbaugh. There you go. And so, like, the fight against the NCAA is, is his – I mean, he's at the forefront of this. Yeah, I know I, I put that out on Twitter last night that he was going to join, so – Want to let everybody know he will join us, just not today. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Jonathan Scarmetti, uh, the Attorney General for the State of Tennessee, 
uh, on with us coming up in uh, a little over 30 minutes from right now. Um, By the way, one quick thing on this before we wrap yeah. up. Um, I think a lot of people, I'm the same way, the, the whole Florida State getting left out of the, the college football playoffs, good example. Okay. A lot of lawmakers, uh, attorney generals threatening you know, lawsuits and posting things and grandstanding. I kind of laugh at that political foreplay of you can always win voters when you decide to go and defend the big state institution against something. This is different from that. This is a legitimate lawsuit that's been more than a week in the making with Tennessee and Virginia that's been filed. This is not a threat. And we're going to talk to the attorney general about this. So usually I do have that same reaction of, okay, here we go again. They're going to go defend the fan base that's mad about something. But is it legit? I think this is legit. I think this is seeking clarity on rights for student athletes as to what money they can make and that the NCAA has no right in interfering with any of that. So looking forward to talking to well, the attorney general. And, and let's up. clarify something too. The, the, the point made that had said recruit, it doesn't matter who it was. Had it been directly for the athlete, if he chose to go to university, a B or C you, in this case, uh, Nico to Tennessee, that's how he would have received the money. Then that's a that's a argument. That's a violation. That's a, a violation. The NCAA could win that, right? That's a violation. That's, it's a direct pay for play. Yes, in contract, in writing. But if it's not that, then it's permissible. Yeah. If you're giving payment to a player, and he chooses not to go to Tennessee, but he gets that money anyway, that's permissible. That's not pay for play. And to the, I mean. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is why Florida's in the crosshairs with Rashada. Yeah, it because is. Because there's a paper trail in writing of more or less saying like, hey, uh, you come here, you're getting this. Look, I, I've talked to a lot of people in and around Tennessee in this whole situation. I've not found one person that's remotely nervous about anything. I mean, they're just ready, they're just ready for a fight. They're dug in and they're ready to fight this. Uh, everyone I've talked to, Feels the same way. Now, what is the threat the NCAA can hold over Tennessee? It's one big one. They're going to come in and say, Nico Yamaleava is ineligible. And you can't play him. And if you do, you're forfeiting the games. And that's where temporary restraining order is going to be filed. There's going to be more lawsuits. There's going to be more things happening if they try to come in and say that. But that's the big card the NCAA can play. Hey, you still play in our sport. And now this guy's ineligible for flying on a private jet to your school or, or whatever it is. Right. That's just going to further this fight is all that's going to do. Well, then you get a temporary restraining order and, yeah. and he plays and you wait on the enforcement and there's the entire thing to play out. And guess what happens? Uh, mission go, goes on to win the national championship. Yeah. And they represent the sport that the NCAA is trying to enforce against. Yeah, whatever Tennessee does on the field this year will happen with Nico at quarterback, it, regardless of what's going on in the court system at that time. Right. And you, you, you call their bluff because that's what others have done. And they don't, I mean, it's not like Michigan's nervous either. No. Look at what they're offering Jim Harbaugh or did, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't, I, I don't think there's a reason to be nervous anymore, regardless of who you are. I mean, Central Michigan's not even nervous. They don't even let us know if that was actually Connor Stallions on the sideline. Guys, let's work on getting the Central Michigan AD on the show, please. We need clarification on that yeah, Connor where, Stallions where investigation. investigation is. Where did the lanyard come from, man? Where does the lanyard come from? First question. Chad, uh, I would be nervous if I'm 
the ACC because Florida State has has added former uh, Commissioner John Swafford uh, to the lawsuit where they are trying to get out of their grant of rights deal with the ACC uh, without having to pay uh, the the big buyout that will be enforced. And what they're doing, so they this was back in December when they filed the lawsuit challenging the grant of rights. Now they've added Swafford and named him, saying that he mismanaged media rights with their current grant of rights deal. And it had already stated that it was chronic, uh, there was chronic fundraising mismanagement and bad faith in the, the television rights agreements, pointing to uh, an insistence from Swafford that Raycon would be included in the conversation of any media rights agreement, and that was being made clear to any of the potential bidders for the conference and the rights to air the games. And they go, they, they even set out approximately $82 million is what has been lost on the Tier 2 and Tier 3 agreements based on the fact that Raycom was involved. And there's a family member involved with Swafford. I believe it's his son that is with Raycom. And they're pointing to all this saying, hey, this was bad faith. We're stuck in this agreement that what it's not legit. Not only are the individual institutions losing money, the programs, but uh, the current rights holder, the main rights holder, ESPN, they're also losing upwards of $50 million because of the way the the negotiations were handled internally. I'm a little ignorant to what Raycom is up to right now, but when I hear Raycom, I think of the old Tucson Copper Bowl <laughs> that was on Raycom back in the early 90s. I think I watched Colorado State play in one of those bowl games. That's all that I knew was on Raycom. In 2010, they were relevant. Maybe some ACC basketball was on Raycom during the winter months also, but I uh, haven't heard from Raycom in a while, so I'm happy to get Raycom in that report. Here's my big question on all this. Is this lawsuit going to open the door for a mass exodus? If Florida State wins and can leave without penalty or with little penalty, and they, weigh, they, they reduce that exit fee for them, is Clemson out the door? Is North Carolina out the door? Duke, Virginia, are other ACC schools just well, walking right out that door that Florida State opened up? So is this a Florida State lawsuit? that ends up working out for everyone to go do something else? Or does it just get Florida State out the door and hurt the rest of the ACC because they get no money for it and they lose Florida State? Chad, I, I'm surprised we haven't had uh, someone else join in on this already, quite frankly. Many are playing quiet behind well, the scenes I, right now of they don't State have to fighting it. Right, because well, if Florida they, State show, if they, they set precedent with this – and they proved that they were in violation of something, it does just open the door for anyone else to leave, too, once that's proven. Well, I, I so mean, they could be doing the Lord's work for it, Clemson. But they were already jumping in and partnering with Florida State on, hey, Clemson, for instance, we need more money. We need more of a yeah. share of the pot. Yeah. They were doing that. They weren't willing Florida State fight that first. No, no. Look, it's cowardice of everyone else if they do that, but it's also kind of smart. If Florida State's the loudest about this, you can just sit back and be quiet. Let them pay all the lawyers if they find some sort of breach of contract with the schools, well, you can start negotiating with the Big Ten or the SEC. How much and also, try to get out? How much also do you think the fact that the basketball programs are so down right now? With it's the a ACC weird time in the ACC and right basketball. Now, the last two has, years, they have three teams in That's the terrible. tournament currently. Yeah, I know, uh, North Carolina lost their first conference game last night at nine and eleven Georgia Tech. 
And that was their first loss in conference in the season. It's, they, it's weird the last two years that it's not been I know. way down. Way and down. I can't help but think of, boy, that's really eerie timing when you consider the changing landscape of college sports. Yes. And conference TV contracts and NIL Value. and everything else. You don't hear as much about the ACC playing big boy ball the way you do other conferences and other programs. How about Travis Kelsey flexing against uh, Justin Tucker prior to the game, uh, uh, the AFC Championship game, where you <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is out warming up pregame, and you see Kelsey tossing the helmet aside. You've got the footballs there where Tucker was warming up on his own on the opponent's side of the field, which kickers tend to do uh, early in warm-ups, not towards the end where the entire teams are out there. Um, and you get both sides going back and forth here, even still, well after the well after the game has been played. On Monday, Justin Tucker was saying, hey, I, I don't understand why I'm having to talk about something that happened in pregame because this is a routine that I go through and I've been going through literally my entire career uh, where I've got everything set up right there. And he said that Mahomes came and asked him to move his helmet and that he did move it, but he just didn't, because I guess I didn't move it far enough down for uh, his warm-ups to continue. Kelsey comes over, tosses them aside, uh, and it you know leads to the, the back and forth that we, we saw through uh, CBS's coverage uh, where Kelsey's like, hey, you, you know, if you're going to do this, you need to get it out of the way and you don't have to be, you know, you know, an ass about it. And, yeah, he, uh, and it, it, it leads to Kelsey saying that like Tucker was winking at him. He said he winked at him the whole time. And, uh, I, I'll be honest, Travis Kelsey kind of won me over on his side with his description of it. Um, he said it's, it's unusual to put balls down in a helmet right where the quarterback is in his backdrop doing drills and that Mahomes actually asked him to move it first and that's when he moved it but not far enough out of the way and that's when right, Kelsey yeah. got involved and chucked it uh Kelsey won me over Hutton you were on the sidelines the NFL this this to me is what's odd about this whole scene right you were describing how kickers will go on the other side and sometimes they'll kick off from one in line you'll have your returners on your side end of the zone field. yeah and they'll kick from one end zone to like midfield or past it right right Tucker was lined up to kick either at an upright or through the in, through the end zone, like on the goal line. If yeah. you watch the video, and I don't know, look at where stretching. his look at where his hold is. The the his ball is placed where he is going to kick. He's a right footed kicker. He's going to kick at that end zone where they're working out. I'm with Kelsey on this one. That's an odd move. Well, and dropping footballs right there where they're doing it. It's almost like. Well, Tucker was trying to get in their head and it backfired. Well, the Chiefs kicker would have been on the other side. Yeah, but is the Chiefs kicker uh, – you're missing he's my still, point. No, I'm not. He, is he's he still, on the goal line kicking into well, their end zone? My, my point is they can warm up wherever the hell they want well, to warm up. I'm asking you, have you seen kickers – I have seen kickers kick off the from line. the goal line. Uh, and they, they're working on that because they don't want the balls coming down on the other side of the field – at the 20 Have or the 10 or the goal line. Have you seen them kick towards the goal line, towards that end zone, though? No, but I, I, I mean, I don't know if he's working on accuracy, trying to hit the side of the goal post. They could do whatever they want. I mean, he's entitled to that space as much as Mahomes is. Yeah, I, I would That's say, my point. I would say he may be entitled to space, but if you're going to bring a ball rack out and it's a also bunch of footballs field. and do that, then maybe don't put it right behind the quarterback. But, I, I mean, I'm giving Tucker the benefit of the doubt here where he's saying, this is what I do. Chiefs treated it like they, it was their home This is field. what I do. For, for 60 minutes. Sure. In that game. They went out there. 
Look, uh, you don't want the kicker, uh, you know, firing the other team up before the game. Uh, whatever he did, Tucker did, it, it worked. Well, the Ravens, the che- we the talked about this Monday. The Ravens are always looking for a reason to get fired up. Uh, the, you know, yeah, they're, they played last time I was in Last time I was at M&T Bank Stadium, the Titans, uh, prior to going in the locker room, before taking the field for the, for the first quarter, uh, broke down the huddle on the logo. And they took massive offense to this, including, by the way, John Harbaugh. Oh, it was pissed this off is, for greatness. This is too. a Harbaugh. This is what trait. they do. Yeah, they they Jim get, Harbaugh is the same way. This is a Harbaugh trait of disrespect. Sure. And and you saw the back and forth. There was way. it was more than just Tucker and Kelsey going back and forth there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unfortunately for uh, the Ravens, they could only muster uh, Justin Tucker field goal. Yeah, and Kelsey didn't matter. say. You know, he 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 never said like he can't be on our side of the field. He, he just kind of talked about they, you know there's a time where guys come over, but. It's an unwritten rule that you don't drop a bunch of equipment and put stuff right behind where people are, and you kind of go about your business. Well, over, it sounds over there. like to me, Mahomes asked him to move it, which means his equipment was there prior to Mahomes getting there. So it's not like he dropped it there when Mahomes was. Well, I think up. Kelsey said he came in and he put his helmet down while they were doing their drill. He moved it, and that's it down. when Mahomes said to move it, and he did move it. But then he didn't move it far enough, according to Justin Tucker, right, and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, the. <laughs> Oh, we got video right now. This is actually Justin Tucker approaching Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. pregame and the second slap. Even Tucker's saying they're dapping it up prior to the coin toss at midfield after all this. Out cold. Yeah. Look, Knocked it worked out. in the Chiefs' favor. I thought the Ravens were overly emotional in that game. Yeah, they were. I don't know that that had anything to do with it. I think Mahomes and Kelsey are probably going to be on the same wavelength no matter what in an AFC championship. But um, interesting pregame protocol. On both sides. Yeah. I, I mean, if you watch the NFL now change something, this is like uh, Mahomes and Allen. No, they're going to, they're going to overblow. This is going to be an overblown you now have your, reaction uh, to it. Of Now you have a five minute window to go on the other side of the field. If you're a specialist and that's all you have. And everybody's got to clear from, from Justin Tucker. I'm totally willing to let it all go, but I just want to explain that it's not, that's just what I've done for 12 years, and it's not like I'm out there trying to be problematic. I'm just out there trying to get ready for the football game, just like they are. That's all I've really got to say about it, just to be clear. I'm with him. I mean, it, it, this is his warm-up routine. What's the, the Chiefs kicker is somewhere in the range of the vicinity of a, of a Baltimore player, or God forbid, Lamar Jackson warming up. I don't think they had an issue with the kicker being around. I'd like to know if Justin Tucker is... And I get that every kicker gets to go on the other side, and they do that. Well, they do both sides of the field. Because the first thing I read was Justin Tucker does this all the time. So I wonder if his routine is slightly different from others and that he's kicking from the goal line into that end zone or it's different or if it's the same. That's what I need to know to fully form an opinion on what Kelsey's saying. Because Kelsey's not denying that kickers are over on their side of the field no, what in I'm, warm-ups. He, it, that sounds like it happens all the time from what he's saying. What I'm saying he's is... He's acting like Tucker's doing something different than other kickers. Well, it, he had his stuff I don't where know. Mahomes wanted, didn't want it to be. That's what he did different. I think that's the only thing. And, you know, you, still, you do see Justin Tucker in the video just kind of look up and I don't know if he winks or not. Well, but Tucker never really reacts. He just kind of keeps going and smiling and doesn't look like he's bothered one bit. Unfortunately, the uh, Ravens' offense didn't react. No. Now, if they legitimately got into a fight, if Tucker would have bowed up to Kelsey, yeah. that would have been something. He'd have yes. been a hero to kickers everywhere if he beat up Travis Kelsey before that game. NFL kicker beats up NFL tight end over dispute over where he puts his balls 
and helmet. That, that's, that's one for the ages. Coming up, we dive into, uh, well, we air our top grievance of the week, but we also discuss uh, a job opening. That is uh, the loan opening across the NFL. It's straight ahead here on Hotline. Primary complaint coming up in just a few minutes from right now. Also, we have the Attorney General for the State of Tennessee on the show today here on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow here at outkick.com slash watch. Jonathan Skirmetti will join us uh, to discuss uh, the suit filed against the NCAA on behalf of the State of Tennessee, also the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, saying, hey, uh, they're violating antitrust law and trying to prohibit student-athletes from making money off of their name, image, and likeness, profiting off of their own name, image, likeness. It's coming up uh, in about 50 minutes uh, from right now. Uh, we mentioned primary complaint. Chad, your balls will not be complaining uh, this Valentine's Day. No, no. Uh, in fact, our friends at Manscaped, they've got a little poem for you. Roses are red, violets are blue. Trim your balls and your date will thank you. Valentine's Day is knocking, gentlemen, and Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered, his prescription, the all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob, heartthrob that Hutton is. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com, snag 20% off, plus free shipping with the code HOTMIKE. That's HOTMIKE, H-O-T-M-I-C. And we can talk about the real hero of Valentine's Day, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. They've got nose hair trimmers. They've got all sorts of products you can check out once you go to the website and get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOTMIKE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code HOTMIKE because your grooming upgrade awaits. Ready to charm your Valentine's dates. They've got the, the packages dates, uh, at the site for your package there. It's a lot Use of packaging. 20, uh, 20% off. A lot of packaging. Code HOTMIKE. Use right. it. Do it. Check it out now. Snag the 20% plus free shipping. Code hot mic uh, at the site. Chad, uh, Bud Light's partnering with Shane Gillis. One yeah. of the uh, most popular comedians going right now. And he's a, pers- uh, he's a perfect uh, partner for Bud Light because of the debacle that happened, uh, what, in early 2023. We know the, the marketing campaign that failed. And meanwhile, you have Gillis who... Number one, loves beer, and, well, he hates the politically correct line and messaging that he, is out there He now. is a politically incorrect comic, which many comics are. Uh, but he is one at the forefront of uh, being politically incorrect. He's very good, too. I love his uh, latest Netflix special. Maybe not his latest, but the Beautiful Dogs, the special on Netflix, really good. Look, this is exactly what I told... Bud Light they should do uh, in the beginning. In fact, I I took it a step further. I said they should be the biggest sponsor of OutKick.com to shut OutKick.com up about Bud Light. That's what I would have done. I'm playing 4D chess if I'm Bud Light in a company of that size. I'm saying, hey, you want to try to cancel us? You want to get your readers to boycott us? I'm going to put a Bud Light ad on top of every article written poorly about us. That's how we're going to make up for our mistake and our error. We're going to flood the market with money, and we're going to course correct by spending money in advertising. That's what they're doing with Shane Gillis. They've got Peyton Manning and Emmett Smith 
in a commercial I see all the time now, they had what Griffey and his father, yep. Griffey Jr., Griffey Sr. was one of the first one after that. This is a smart UFC. move by Bud Light because they stepped in it with this Dylan Mulvaney deal, whether they want to admit that or not. They know it. And how are they showing us they know it? They're going the opposite direction with more politically incorrect spokespeople. They're trying to get back to being sort of the hardcore alpha male frat boy beer. That's the audience they're going for now. And it's smart marketing. It's absolutely smart marketing by Bud Light. So hats off to you. Feel free to give OutKick some money also. Yeah. Come, come sponsor our show. I'd, I'd be happy with that. I'm eager to see their... Uh... Their Super Bowl ad. Yeah. We can even get Kid Rock on. He's uh, embraced Bud Light yeah. again after machine gunning down some Bud Lights at yeah. one point. Yeah, did that. And then uh, long before this was photographed holding a Bud Light. Is there a better ad for Bud Light than Kid Rock taking a machine gun to a case of Bud Light and then what, two, three weeks later being photographed with a Bud Light in hand? <laughs> like, can you imagine being that mad the way Kid Rock was about a marketing decision by Bud Light that pissed off? <laughs> He's going to take a machine gun to it on camera, but also knowing that the very taste of Bud Light is so damn delicious <laughs> that when he goes out to his own bar in Nashville, he is going to drink Bud Light. No, no high-end beer, no nice cocktails, none of that. When he's downtown honky-tonking, he's going to drink Bud Light also. I would run that as my damn Super Bowl ad if I were Bud Light, I should take the job as chief Bud Light marketing director with all these great ideas that I have. Shane Gillis is a good idea by them. So hats off. Just drink a beer. Yeah. Look, you make one bad marketing decision, which Dylan Mulvaney was, you course correct by making a bunch of good marketing decisions. I think they've done that since. And that Kid Rock Super Bowl ad I just mentioned, that would be the greatest of them all. Chad, this is how delicious our beer is. No one's complaining about uh, your beer ideas. We can insult you to the core of who you are, and then two weeks later, you're still going to drink this beer yeah. because it's that refreshing. And a picture of Kid Rock. <laughs> just pay Kid Rock to be in the Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> that would just really explode some skulls if they saw that. That would be incredible. I'm all for it. So pissed off, you go buy another beer that is also owned by said company. He was in his bar, too, right? I don't know. I, but he like, was, I feel like he could drink any beer he was that he wanted for free. Line. Yeah, any beer you wanted for free, and you had a Bud Light. Uh, so are a lot of people now that they're getting paid yeah. to do it. Chad, it's time for primary complaint. I'll drink Bud Light if you pay me. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for a Hot Mike's primary complaint. Guys, my primary complaint this week, uh, there were not many penalty flags on the field in the AFC Championship game. I thought there were uh, while watching this game because of the Chiefs players that were wearing yellow cleats or gloves. Uh, anytime that there was a, a camera that panned to a huddle and then back to a defensive setup, I thought there was a flag on the field after the play or after a tackle. I just, I, this is the one color that they should not wear. NFL players cannot have any part of their kneecap showing based on the uniform rules. They have to have socks that go above the knee and the pads go below the knee or on the knee so that everything is uniform. This, to me, does not make sense. It goes against what the, the viewer would want. I want yellow off the uniform altogether. This is my primary complaint. That's an excellent one. It absolutely needs to go away. The yellow garments of any sort that, that 
blend well with the uh, the flags. I'm I'm not for it. I also once saw a tattoo. It was on a person's knee, and above it, it just said above knee, and then below it, it said baloney, but it spelled like the food. Wow. Just wanted to insert that for no particular reason. Is that, is this true? Or did yeah, you, no, that's an joke? actual tattoo. Wow. I mean, it's a dumb tattoo. It's not my tattoo. I don't, I don't, I don't have any tattoos, but. I'm rewatching True Detective season one right now, and I just got to the part where they're with the biker gang, and they're going to yes. rob the stash house, and I feel like one of those guys may have had that same tattoo uh, that, I, that I saw with the baloney b- below the knee. Here's my primary complaint this week, gentlemen. The Adirondack chair. Who asked for this? Who, who, who wanted it? Our guy Colin over here, he's from the Adirondack Mountain region of New York State, the Empire State. Apparently this chair was birthed from this region. It, it makes no sense. I'm at the cabin in East Tennessee this weekend, enjoying some family time out in the fresh air. Rained a lot, but out in the fresh air, go out on the deck. Weather's not too bad. Temperatures are okay. Want to sit down on that deck overlooking the mountains? And what do I sit in? A chair where I have to do a workout to get in and out of. I got to do a squat thrust every time I'm sitting down in this chair. Here's what chairs were meant for, everybody. They're meant for relaxing. They're meant to sit down. It's not for exercise. You don't make a chair and you think about the chair and say, you know what I want to do with this chair? I want this chair to create an obstacle for me to where it's going to be really hard to sit down in that chair. I'm going to need to use all my quad muscles to get down. And then when I get up from the chair, I'm going to have to use every bit of glute strength that I have to get up from that chair in hopes that I don't pull something in my lumbar region of my lower back (laughs) when I stand up. No one ever said this. I don't know who it was in the Adirondack Mountain region of New York State that came up with this chair, but I curse you. I curse you, sir or madam. If you're a woman, I'm sorry if you created this chair, but you suck. It's a terrible chair. No one wants it. No one wants to sit in it. And this is my primary complaint. I'm trying to think of the last time I actually sat in one of those chairs. They're, they're, it's awful. Well, I, Chad, I'll take your word for it and hope I don't it's have in, to do it. It's in Davey's living room, Chad. Yeah. I'm going to bring an Adirondack chair in here for Davey to do the show from when he joins us and see if he can get up at the end of it. Davey's like, hey, Chad, come on. I don't even have furniture. Stop complaining about (laughs) this You know, you mentioned mentioned, uh, True Detective Season (laughs) 1. You're like Russ Cole. My apartment is like Russ Cole. Yeah, Yeah. he's just got the mattress on the ground and then a a bunch of uh, murder novels laying around. Murder (laughs) novels and uh, a big red box that's got machine guns and drug paraphernalia in it just in case you got to go back deep undercover. This is like too spot on. Guys, my primary complaint, you know, We've often had complaints that revolve around driving and people not exactly understanding certain ways in which the the ways of the road work. I had a situation yesterday where I almost killed a person because they were an idiot. And I say that because I'm sitting at this intersection. You know, we've got the red light. The person is across from me. It's dark. They do not have their lights on. So I flash my lights to signal, hey, something's off. You need to figure it out. They proceed to take that as, oh, I guess I can just run this red light. <laughs> I, they managed to avoid two cars. I don't know how they did not get hit. And traffic was probably going at this intersection at about 45 to 50 miles an hour. So it would have been a pretty difficult uh, uh, accident to avoid some sort of damage. And I, I just, I don't understand. I know most time people are just on their phones. They're not paying attention. But for the love of God and everyone else out there, please... <laughs> know what you're doing like Leonard like I I don't say we should have to retake driver's ed every 10 years 
But man, there, there needs to be something because a lot of these people on the road, they have no clue what's going on. And that's it's, my it's a real I problem. I love how it's just the, the assumption was, oh, I, I'm ha- he's giving me the right away to just run this light. We'll just take yeah. off now. That's how this I'm works. Just, I'm just going to go. I guess this guy's going to let me go. He clearly sees me because he's flashing at me. We had the tattoo that oh, they yeah. referenced, by yeah. the way. Above knee, below knee. It's a real thing. This was freshly done, too. The guy shaved the leg hair around the area where the tattoo was, was put. Yeah, that looks it's like he used a cheese grater on his kneecap. Uh, what's, thanks to what's... Colin, I also found out the designer of the Adirondack chair, a man by the name of Thomas Lee, circa 1903, created the Adirondack chair. Tom. Hmm. He must have been high when he was doing Decided it. to create the outdoor furniture to allow he and his family the chance to sit together and enjoy the outdoors. Oh, okay. That's nice. You know how else you can sit outside and enjoy the outdoor? On a regular chair. Yeah. You on can a, sit on in a, a chair blanket. that's comfortable to sit in. On a that, blanket. Not you know, one that's uncomfortable. Given the chairs at that time, that might have became the comfortable chair. I mean, no, what? Thomas said, I'm, I really I'm looking at the chair, at the history of it, the first... The, Iteration? It looks like the electric chair. <laughs> it pretty much is for your back. Yeah, it's, it's made of It's the electric chair here. for your lumbar region. Yes. You think Thomas said, we've got such a nice outdoor area here in 1903 and beautiful Adirondack Mountains around here. My family really enjoys the outdoors. Let's create something that's going to make it less enjoyable. I'm going to design uh, this chair that's going to make it, it a, like hell to sit in while we enjoy the majestic view of the Adirondack Mountains. I think that's was what Thomas was thinking. a frequent lakeside annoyance, chairs tipping over on the steeply sloped shores. He designed a chair with a slanted seat and a tall tilted back to hmm. sit level on the uneven ground. Get a fishing rod holder on that? So that makes sense. The Adirondack chair only works on uneven ground. That's, I've been doing it all wrong. Tilted back to sit level. First off, if you've ever tried to pick up an Adirondack chair and carry it, that's another thing that's going to be hell on your back. It's very cumbersome, not easy to move. But who knew? All I need to do was go take that chair down the mountainside and get it on uneven ground and then risk my life to enjoy the chair as opposed to, I don't know, putting the chair on level ground like a deck outside and trying to sit in it that way. Coming up. I had it wrong the whole time. State of Tennessee, Commonwealth of Virginia. They have, well, the NCAA in their crosshairs. We've got the Attorney General for the state of Tennessee, Jonathan Scrimetti. He joins us next here on Hotline.